Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our game changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, Mac. Glad to have you back. He is fired up. Somebody had their coffee this morning. Yeah, well, you look around the room. This is going to be a really good one. At the end of the table, we got the boss. Toxie's sitting there with his headphones. They're not on your ears. That's not exactly standard operating procedure there. We've also if I'd have had them on my ears after that introduction. I'd be on the floor. This well, is true. Could that possibly could have occurred there? And we've also got Ronnie Custrick. Yep. So we are uh, the horns. Very we're gonna have a lot of fun. Rate. Yeah, we're gonna get the, he gets the horns. Yeah. Everybody. Well, so I'm looking at Lanny. He's got a big smile on his face. Yeah, Something man. good's going on in your world, evidently. And then Dudley actually has got a smile on his face this morning. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's a beautiful day. You know tur- turkeys gobbled somewhere. Yep, they did. I'm sure of it. I'm not going to tell you H- where. Has anybody been listening, <laughs> Cuz? Have you been out listening? I got <clears throat> I got a text from a guy overseas of land for a really good buddy of mine, and it was at like 6.45. He said, they were on fire this morning. That's what I woke up to, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I didn't even need were. to hear that. Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm, you can feel it in your bones. Had time. Hey, had j- hey, just for the record, I was on Toxie's dirt yesterday at five thirty a.m. How'd you get that? Pull that off. It was what a. Fo- did he do? It was a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, was, that's what they all say. I was yeah. told to be there, and he, he. I said, "Where do you want to go?" He said, "We got to walk back here behind the." cabin and all to get the sunset and You're i was gonna get in trouble turkey going back deer. there oh, and uh he said we're gonna go back there and do some calling i said let me tell you something <laughs> I'll, I'll owl hoot and i ain't doing nothing else Period. He, he didn't understand why but i was like yeah i'll owl hoot for you a few times but i ain't gonna like because no, no. that'd be the very spot you know mr fox was gonna kill a turkey he actually would have been <laughs> he's, he's not, he's yeah. not. <laughs> so we had we, we had satellite surveillance on them i was watching it yeah. yeah. So, Toxie, one of the things that you you will not let, let yelp at him early or do anything to try to tip your hand. Oh, I mean, I, I get no. That's not true. I don't want anybody else to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I mean, it depends. I'll I'll call to him for potentially. I mean, if I know where I am and I know I can escape real quick without alerting anything, and I'm trying to see if something's there, I might yelp at him or cut at him. I I'm not as I'm not worried that that causes any problems. I do believe if you call and spook them and they associate the calling with mm-hmm. the person, that really messes You're up. educating so, them. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I'm very careful about it, but I – no, and it's too tempting to just make one gobble. I guarantee you, because I'll hit that tube call at least once. 
at once. If he needs to. <laughs> yeah. The same thing. He would do it if he knows, you know, if he knows, like, I do that, and then all of a sudden they've got their attention, and there's no way I can get out of here without them seeing me, he wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But if he knows he could have slipped through the thicket and get out of there and nobody knew, then it's no harm, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, before we get too much further down the road, Dudley and Cuz, y'all were at a meeting with the Mississippi Department of Fish and Wildlife and Parks about turkeys. Was there any kind of quick takeaway that you guys had on that? <clears throat> Dudley made a good post. I, you know, they had a lot of landowners. There's people from the NWTF there and biologists. It was a pretty diverse group, and a lot of them. And I think they were wanting to hear comments and stuff like that. But I, I'm, I'm like Dudley. Mm. I, I think they were. At the end, it got down to tags and maybe reduced the limit a little bit till we figure out what's going on with a little bit of decline. And I'm, I'm personally in favor of both of that. I don't. There's not many states you can hunt anyway with a without tagging a turkey. And I was like, I'm good with that. But you know what? That's what impressed me. They called the meeting, Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fishers and yes. Parks. There, they want to be a, like out in front of what's going on. Let's find out. So good for them. It was very interesting. But it was. Yeah, I, I got to meet, you know, some of the more influential folks at MDWF and P and was and was extremely impressed. And uh yep. the vibe I got was they didn't want to make any drastic moves until they actually had scientific proof. Um because that's, that's smart. That's yeah. a yeah. You know, big drastic changes. Of course, we never right. know what's gonna happen. We can't tell the future, but uh, I heard some mention of the possibility of a maybe a turkey stamp. Yeah. Similar to a duck stamp. That way they can have uh, the exact number of turkey hunters that are going to be in the woods that year. Mm -hmm. And and a little bit of income, too, which would be good. Absolutely. And that income could be targeted to turkeys. So speaking of these uh, influential guys, uh, Lanny, I think you're fixing to go there. With the Black Prairie, uh, there was Ricky Flint. I just continue to be impressed with him. But I listened to him kind of give a, here's the reason we need to keep this Black Prairie open to the public. And uh, it was very passionate. It was a really, really good little uh, speech that he gave. I think, Dudley, I think you heard it as well. But Laney, just an active week in, you know, Mississippi, uh, the wildlife landscape there, period, with with what was going on with these symposiums. I'd like to send a shout out to the agencies and everything because they're doing this. They've done it for waterfowl. They're doing it for turkeys. They're encouraging interaction between landowners, the public. And the agencies about the best way to manage I resources. Not, I can tell you, I could it's not huge. be prouder of a That's state right. yeah. from that perspective. And, you know, I, I, the two words are used as kind of a week for uh, wildlife, wild turkey, and politics. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, the two don't mix at all. They shouldn't. However, the truth of the matter is, let's just face it, in all 50 states, they do mix. And the reason I say that is historically, I know there's always some politics or interference or whatever but uh historically our state has done you know a great job mm-hmm. comparatively just maybe some other states mm-hmm. and not having the hand of politics and listening more to the biology and the well, i think some in some cases we're even pioneers in that so today uh we do have really 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 good leadership there and uh, <laughs> people that you know have the resource first above all else only thing I'd say about the bag limit thing, we don't need to get in because that, that gets into the well, politics or get that changed or not. Uh, I would also just say we need to all, if we love this bird, let's talk about turkeys today, we need to err on the side of caution rather than, 
oh my gosh, you're not going to take my limit away from me or reduce my limit to kill more or whatever. I think we just all need, I agree, we need to have valid research proven proof of things or trends. But I'm just of the heart of uh, if you're not quite sure and you have some alarming, like even anecdotal stuff, err on the side of caution. What harm have we done? What what have we done for all of us in Mississippi if we stand by our gun? By God, I want to shoot my three every year. And we've done damage to the, the flock long term. I mean, what have we done? So, honestly, um, I could have saved this to the end of the conversation. We're going to have some fun talking about turkey. Hunting. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, um, it boils down to what our philosophy is here. And that comes, and it kind of boils out to the world through gamekeepers. Is like, let's enable, and I mean, I've talked to Adam Butler, our state biologist, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, let's, you know, let's empower every single person, every single person, every single lander. And I always use the phrase four acres, 400, 4,000, doesn't matter. Don't think you're too small if you got a little spot of land that you can influence wildlife. If we have everybody taking matters into their own hands, that's what needs to be done anyway. We can't point fingers at our state and blame them or point fingers at the Turkey Federation and blame them or the federal government necessarily and blame them. I mean, it's up to all of us. So that's one of the things with gamekeepers we're trying to do more and more and more is just educate people on their own place. People have a uh, increasingly hunger for you know good, valid information. There's a multitude of great sources. Yeah, our state, but a lot of other great states too. I have to brag on Alabama. They're stepping forward in a big way. They've cut their season back already. Mm-hmm. I tip my hat to Chuck. It took some brave, you know, yeah. you know what, to yeah. do that. And I'm very proud of them. Now, you know, it's not going to be as much fun. I'm 10 days later getting started in a state I love to hunt in over there too. But I'm proud of them for taking those steps and putting the resource over some of the politics. Right, right. So, Landon, yeah. you had something? Yeah, we're just uh, on, circling back to the Black Prairie conversation, too. Another good example of uh, agencies working and showing up here locally to help preserve a, a public resource that we cherish around here, too. So that's going to stay public. Yeah, it's going to stay public. So um, That's you know, awesome. It, so it's a big day in, in active wildlife, active yeah. conservation, yes. active wildlife yeah. conservation, yeah. which I like to see. So. Yeah, good and that, stuff, and that's just like, again. That's, I know it's just Mississippi, but it's close to us. So. Yeah, Very that, important. That so, Black so. Prairie WMA has a special place in my heart because I'm I'm fascinated with prairie ecosystems. Yep, and, me uh, too. Less than one percent of them. Are I'm not. Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but you always hear you know a tenth of one percent of prairies still remain. Wow. Um, well, that's so a scary. For that man. reason alone, it's well, worth protecting. So, yeah, that's that's all that's good. And, Toxie, before I forget, I wanted to make sure we congratulated Mr. Fox on the conservation award that we that we saw that he won at the – and you accepted for him at the NWTF convention. That was – That's awesome. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> it, it, it really was. Those trophies were really cool, too. Yeah, it was, it was emotional. <laughs> it was emotional. It was cool. And, yeah. You know, because, I mean – you know, first thing I always pops in my mind is I get I guess I get the, a little bit of his humility and there's like there's so many people he would say immediately good gosh there's so many other people that deserve something like this too or whatever I didn't you know I was just following my heart and so forth but uh, you know what has caused a lot of that is I gosh obviously the notoriety because of how we communicate with a lot of people and the the you know the love people here have shown in him and what he exhibits along those lines. And, you know, other people here besides me, you know, I feel a little 
selfish, so I'm pushing my dad out there all the time. He's so awesome. He's so great, you know. So I just, I honestly, don't need to because everybody else takes such pride in it. And it got communicated to people, and people clearly see and touch. I mean, you can't fake uh, no. his no. genteel yeah. and caring and his spirit. It's just unbelievable. So, yeah, for that to get recognized in something he cares so much about, because I, I mean, a lot of the seeds planted here, obviously me more than anybody, but in a lot of people here, he's affected Cuz. Sure. He's affected Bill. He's affected everybody that's walked through here some. Sure. And, uh, and it's not necessarily what he specifically had his hand on, although it's been a good bit. It's just the way he's been able to influence. And that's what I said. It's, it's amazing how some big things happen in life for people that are humble and, like I said, kind of genteel and very, you know, common in their walk, caring about everybody, nothing persuasive or flashy or throwing around a bunch of money even or whatever. But a lifetime of really pure good intentions can move a mountain just by the slow progression of the people that you influence. Mm. And instead of this instant gratification, oh, my gosh, he did all this, he spent all this, he lobbied legislature to do this or whatever, you know, they're all important. And he did a few of those things. He certainly introduced turkeys to this area. And But I guess what I'm getting at is because of his life and just how he is, how he influenced people. And so let's all learn from that, you know. Let's all, as a outdoor community, as hunters and all this, let's be a good example. We will grow our sport and do more for wildlife and leave it like we want it in a better place and all that by having our own good intentions first. And he's just a great example of that. Yeah. I just want to point that out. I hope people get what I'm talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. Just be a good example. And boy, it's so rewarding when you do. And you know you have been. Yeah, well, you know, uh, guys can go on mossyoak.com. There's some photographs of you accepting their yeah. award and maybe some quotes from some of your speech. I would encourage people to go look at that. And so, well, look, let's. I want to turn this to, I want to ask Cuz a quick question. Uh, you're leaving in a few minutes heading to Florida, and t- with turkey season, you're about to start hunting. Have you been working out or doing anything to get ready for all this? And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, lifting yeah. weights or what, what have you been doing to get ready? I don't really work out. You know, I, I was talking to Harold Knight. He's up on the other podcast right now. And he's like, I was talking about how, how good he is and all that stuff. And he says, you know, I don't have quite the snap I used to. So uh, he, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I spent, look, eight and a half hours getting my three grandsons ready. For turkey season, where's your vest? That's a workout. Yeah, you're missing one glove. And eight and a half hours later, I got all their stuff ready and handed to their moms. And I literally started packing this morning. It doesn't take me long. I don't carry much stuff. Now you ready to roll? We've been doing this, but no, I you know I have been trapping. That counts as exercise. Yeah, but I mean, you you left out the one thing that I know is top priority: getting ready and getting in shape and everything for. You know, he because he starts a little early with this trip, and it's an awesome thing they do for those wounded veterans. But he, the biggest thing he's done to get in shape is he is taking care of his honeydews with his pants. Try getting brownie points. He oh, has yeah. Been, yeah. He's, been, he's been working on that since deer season closed. I guarantee. I think you. everybody around here has been doing that's absolutely. good advice. Absolutely, she runs the hill. I promise you that. Correct. And yeah, getting the kids ready, getting her stuff done. But yeah, Greg Briggs, our our brother, is going to be waiting for me. And literally, when I get up from here, we're getting in the truck. And uh, there's, there's so much interest because, you know, if you were at the convention, 
Wow. It was clearly more people there than I've ever seen. I, I know some people talk about numbers declining. It ain't declining in enthusiasm and all that. No. So I'm going to do a Facebook Live. I've never done that. I'm going to do one on the way down there tonight at 6 Central, 7 Eastern, just kind of say, here's here's what the trip's all about. And I'm going to hit that phone Saturday morning at the first gobble. I'm going to go live and instead of mm. film, I'm going to film with that. Mm. Just bring people along because it absolutely that's it, that's that's great. That's awesome. It's yeah, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. I hope so. Yeah. Hey, I've had a lot of luck down there, and I was telling my wife Pammy last night. I said, you know, I'm I'm, I'm due for a bad trip. She said, I can't believe you said that out loud. You know? <laughs> but uh, it's it's such a good place. Florida Cattlemen's Association opens their these big ranches. It's not outfitted, so that's why we go early, and uh, some people scramble you know, to go find the turkeys, and I find the cowboys who are herding cattle and all that, and, you know, I'm passing out hats. I get my information a different way, but uh, bell blinds and stuff. Some of the guys are in wheelchairs. Some of them are on, you know, prosthetics. It ain't like cutting and running. It's a different thing. But And, you know, the best thing about it is none of them have any idea who I am or Toxie is or you are or group. They don't know who we are could care less. It ain't about that. It's about, you know, General Randy West two-star Marine that's been in there for 40 years, and he's also an ordained minister. And during the day, we hunt and get their minds off that stuff and take them fishing and cook for them. But at night, he we get that fire going, and he gets those guys around the fire and gets them to open up. And we're not part of that, but just to see that in here is like humbling. And that's, that's turkey hunting is perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Greg, Greg has told me multiple times that it means more to him <clears throat> annually than anything he does. Yep. Wow. I'll go just, I'll go along with that. He said, I can't explain how much it means to me to help those guys out and get them in the woods. Greg, he's got such a big heart. Oh, my gosh. But if you met him, at, like at the <clears throat> gas station, you, you he, he's coming across this what, big, what, rough, tough guy. What, big what, are you, what are you getting at the gas <laughs> station? <laughs> thing, man? Come on. I mean, he's uh, – <clears throat> but he's, he really, he's, really is he a, does, he's he's a special guy. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's the guy you know. If Fox gets in a ditch. You want yeah. what? Uh, Cuz used it. He's a foxhole guy for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the best I know anywhere. I've got a bunch of them. But if you're in, you get in the foxhole and you want to look over your right shoulder and know who's right there, got your wing. He'd be the guy. Does does the right thing when nobody's watching. Absolutely, lives his life like that. Yep. Yeah, so. man yeah. of honor. So look, we wanted to have you guys here so we could ask some questions and try to. Try to teach our listeners something and let us learn something as well from you guys. And I, I've got some questions. Would one of y'all like to start first? Dudley, I'm looking at you. Lanny, you're over there on Facebook or something. <laughs> Max texting over here. I can hear it. But Dudley, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, this isn't even one I wrote down, but, uh, you know, youth season is approaching, and that's what I'm fired up about is uh, – getting little dud out there and trying to get his first turkey. Um, That's usually a time of year when turkeys are acting differently. Uh, Here in Mississippi, we start March 15th, and, you know, you have all that henned up phase. But some of that youth, they may not even be quite henned up yet. Uh, And it can be tough hunting. So uh, what what are some tips? Cause. Hey, I just got interviewed for an article in Jake's magazine. Okay, perfect. Because they, they see me with all them grandkids and all that stuff. First, first thing you got to come to grips with is it ain't about you, it's about them. Yep. You got to remember it's about them. They got to have fun. You, and your ego is going to like, 
we gonna I'm gonna get him a turkey no matter what. But there's so many things that influence them at that age. It's like when they the biggest mistake I see people make is they hand them too much gun, and if they get in that flinch mode, it's over with. So. With the, and I had all girls, but I, I did the same thing with them. It was a BB gun to learn safety, a twenty-two to target practice, and then a four ten to shoot the turkey paper target. And then when when you do take them out there, they're comfortable. They ain't, the gun's not even an issue. They got that down pat. And then don't just if you do something, tell them why. If you see a cool spider web or a turtle hole, just you know make it. It ain't gonna be like you're gonna kill one at all costs. Make them have fun and just make sure they enjoy it. That's to me. That's the main thing. So, yeah, I'd, I'd add uh, ask a lot and don't tell a lot. I mean, you you want to teach and mentor, but if you're you have this inside need, I'm gonna teach them all about the woods and I'm gonna teach them this. But if they're not receptive to it, you're wasting your breath a little bit there and you'd lose them. But I would always say you want to you want to try again. You know, we struck out here. You know, one gobbled a few times and shut up. You want to you want to go back. You want to try some more. You know, and kind of let them make the call. Yeah, yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. And because at a good point, if you you know you you have to catch yourself. And it's the hardest thing in life is to have self awareness. I mean, I talk about it all the time, and I I have a higher you know I need to do it. But if you catch yourself, you know what is really going on with them and helping them connect with it, and not your own. You know, got to go, got to go, got to, you know, I got to go back and sh- show everybody my kid. I called him one up. Just lose all that and pay attention to what your kids really want to do. Hey, this is Dudley from Native Nurseries. I spend a lot of time deep in the woods looking for special trees. Onex keeps me on track and helps me be sure I can find them again and my way out. Try it out for yourself and see. Use coupon code MOSSYOAK to save 20% on your Onex subscriptions. The question that I've got that I, Lanny, I'm not, I'm not no, looking no, over please. you, but uh, I'm giving you, giving you a no, chance I'm, to get I'm, your question together. But <laughs> what I'd like to ask both of you guys is, and, and I'm not, I'd like, actually, I've heard you on a mouth call. You're really good. And because with that tube call, it's legendary. But w- with a mouth call, are you looking, is there something you like? Do you like three reads and some kind of special cut? And could you kind of, you guys kind of talk about what, what you like? And do you have a secret for making the calls last, those the diaphragms? <clears throat> Toxie's way better on the mouth call than I am. Here, here's kind of what I look for. And, you know, I, I got, I don't care a bunch of stuff. You know, I got the tube call, five or six reads for that. I carry a slate for when the humidity's high. I don't really use it that much. The, what I kind of want out of my mouth call is something I can get so low with. Yep. I don't worry about four reeds cutting. I can do all that with a tube call. I want something that I, you know, when my mouth's dry and this guy's shaking and I can't make the perfect note, I just want to be able to do them little clucks and whiny sounds. And I like a... For me, I like that that true double because it's separated. It's got two reeds. They never get stuck and stuff like that. And the other mouth calls in my little pouch right there are probably double reed, maybe a tiny little slit. So uh, Toxie can locate with his. He can get soft with his. He can get loud. I've hunted with him a thousand times. And I don't I don't know if I've ever even seen him switch. When he finds that one, it's just with it. Mine's a, a subtle little easy thing the best thing to do and i you know people do this all the time and you think everybody knows and they might not but if you got a multi-readed call 
stick a toothpick in between, break it off, stick a toothpick in it, break it off, leave them in the fridge. And they won't stick and get bad. And don't get any bug spray. I see people sometimes holding their mouth cold, no. spraying <laughs> bug spray. Man, you spray bug spray around me in that tube called Reed, I'm running the other direction going <laughs> like it's a, I need a hazmat suit. That stuff, it deteriorates everything. Well, it's dangerous, too. Yeah, big time. So what about, what about you, Doc? You know, first of all, I mean, everybody, you know, there's no, like, secret sauce magic. You know, I've been hunting for 50 years, listening to me about what all I've learned. Because, you know, it's up to each individual just what they enjoy and whatever. However, having said that, I would say basic kind of philosophy for me is the mouth call is most important today. You know, when I grew up, that's all I knew to use. That's all anybody used. The origins of the mouth call were right there where I grew up hunting, you know. Even in the 1960s, they weren't on the market, but everybody had mouth calls because the guy that taught Ben Lee how to make them was making them for those people. So point in talking about it, I never saw a box call or a slate when I first started in the late 60s going with daddy. It was all mouth call. So I'm just used to that. And you have this kind of, I thought about it today. It's actually almost a subconscious thing. You feel like you're actually talking to them when you are using your voice or the mouth call as opposed to, you know, something you're kind of running with your hands type right. of thing. But I, the, the one thing I would say for the public is don't, you know, I see people there, there's like some kind of pride and I'm running a mouth call, I'm calling them with a mouth call. You're going to get, if, unless you've gotten to a certain point, I'd say 90% of people, you're going to get a better sound and a better like something attracting a turkey from a friction call than you will a mouth call. And that's just a fact. And so I would try to caution people to find a mouth call that you sound really, really, this is what Cuz just said in different words. Something that's really, you know, sounds nasally like a turkey, you know, sounds awesome at like 50 or 100 yards. Mouth call. Not some hammer down, super loud mouth call. Because where the, the biggest benefit to a mouth call is what I always call a finishing call. Is when you got to do something and you cannot move. You don't need to move. And of course, all you have is a slate or a box or a push button to call them with and you move, you'll, I've done it too, trying to, you know, so, you know, that's where they become so valuable. So I would start with trying to find something you're really happy with in a light to medium tone. And then if you, you could swap to another one, there's something you like, you know, cause a mouth call will really project dang near like that tube call, not quite, but that's my advice. And don't be, you know, I, I use it almost, I'd say 80% of me calling to turkeys is the mouth call. And I'll find what I like. Typically, I don't swap them out now. They'll get soggy, and you might have to swap to another because it starts sounding terrible. Some calls run out of juice when they get saliva for a long time more than others. They usually always sound better when you first start, yep, and first yeah. thing in the morning. Yeah, they do get soggy. So, But do you have a like a – do you like a three reed with some kind of special cut? No, is there? no, I mean, I typically don't like a lot of reeds, a two reed or a three reed. I end up finding stuff. I mean, I'm open to trying everything to see, uh, you know, but I guess I'm getting particular. It seems like it's harder for me to find something. Probably not as good as I used to be at running them. I don't practice as much or whatever. So mm-hmm. I tend to find I, I like the thinner reed prophylactic, you know, instead of heavy latex for sure because, you know, it's just harder to make a really – you know, what you feel like you're really making a true perfect turkey sound with something that's got such a heavy read on it for me. So, yeah. but everybody's different and, you know, different. I've noticed that, you know. What about, uh, Cuds mentioned slate, yeah, slate or glass? Do y'all have a preference there? 
I like a slate, and it's a simple reason. Yep. You, you cut it with you use sand it with your sandpaper. You never have to look down. That's right. You know you can grab it anywhere and make that little whatever you want to do with it. And a glass can have double ringing notes and sound great. Squeeze, but you, you're squeeze. cutting it in one spot. And yep. You got to look and make sure you're dragging it the other direction. And I'm telling you, in, 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 the, in the moment of truth, you don't always have time. The last thing you want to do is take your eyes off of what's going on, especially sure. if you're filming or something. So, so my, to his point, if I'm most of the time I'm not talking a gun or hunting, you know, I'm sitting behind somebody calling for him, and I I will use my slate I've had for thirty years or whatever. I still love that thing, and I will use that for that finishing calls because I don't have to worry about getting my hands over on a gun or something. I can just barely even move at all. And the tension's not necessarily on me with someone else up there. I, I would say cuz does, he, he'll use a slate and the glass when I, when he uses glass with me, if he's whatever's done something to locate a turkey, but he's still out there, he will use the glass to fire him up from way out there. And he does it really loud, cuts really loud, yeps really loud. And I've been a hundred yards from it. It sounds incredible. And he'll use that as a next step from the, the tube call to, to get them. And then, you know, if something starts coming closer, then he'll power down. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty much the same way. My, my way off, get them fired up, yelp, is a box. And the biggest reason I like, if I'd strike a turkey, first thing is don't look a gift horse in the mouth. If he's fired up and the next sound he makes is closer, the next sound is closer, Pretty much shut up. If you think you just have to call for the sake of listening to them gobble, it's probably not smart, but make it softer at least. But, you know, take what the woods are giving you, and if he's coming, just wait. If you have to keep on one of the things, you're kind of, you know, working the turkey. I like a slate and a box, and sometimes even a push button mixed in because I feel like, and it's served me well for a long time, uh, it just feels like if you sound like more different turkeys, you're more attractive. And so, you know, I don't do that right away and get carried away. I'm just kind of letting the, what's, you know, I don't know how to describe. You just, if you've done it so many times for so many years, it just kind of jumps in your head. And it's not nearly always right either, but it just jumps in your head. This situation kind of calls for this. And every every single day, that's what's so much fun. Every single day is different, you know. So you mentioned uh, setting up behind your hunter. Is is there a, a a thought process there? Do you like to be 25, 30, 40 yards behind them? Again, it's like, it depends. You know, is it wide open? Is it? I would like to be able to see what's going on with them because a lot of times you'll be calling for someone and kind of the old quiet and stuff. You know, if you, if you look at your guy and you can see them and they're just kind of relaxed and then you watch them for a second and their head kind of goes to the left and goes <laughs> to the right. It's like, well, he's obviously not – nothing's coming up there. He can't see them. But if all of a sudden, you know, you see them get all tense and their gun moves a little bit and their head's just locked in the same direction. And, and sometimes with Daddy, I can even see his chest will be moving so much because he's breathing so hard. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, it's on. So I like to be able to see them because what will happen is you hadn't heard anything in a while, you hadn't contacted them. Phones you can text now. That helps some. But I've stood up. It's like nothing's going on here. I'll get them and we'll go somewhere else. And put, 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 put. I didn't have any idea the turkey was standing right there. And so I like to be able to keep an eye on them if I can. If it's wide open, I'm 50, 60 yards behind them if I can. You know, if not. Calling the bird th- through Try them. to do that. Yeah. But I will tell you, because he's a different sample set than me, I will say not more than half, but I say a third of the times that I do that, 
the turkey, for whatever reason, will avoid that person 50 or 60 yards in front of me and come all the way around, and I'll have a shot at them. And most of the time, that's a good reason not to take my gun because it is tempting. (laughs) But it's crazy how many times uh, that you're calling for someone well behind them, and that turkey will circle and avoid them, has no knowledge that they're there or anything. It's not like they're so smart that they picked that person off and circled them, but it happens all the time. It's crazy how many times – it's like the guy in the back of the boat catching more fish. It just doesn't make sense. So you look at the terrain, and you're like, well, I bet he's going to come right through there. Man, I don't and know. It, it's no it predicting. Happen. It's like everybody, oh, they go counterclockwise every time. Get ready for that. That's not true. Well, yeah. what you did, one thing is true, their ability to pinpoint where that Yelp is coming oh, for from sure. is for unbelievable. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. They they, they just run right in sometimes. They but they, they often will make some kind of, you know, irregular, you know, approach I don't know what it is. I've never, I couldn't be smart enough to say why. You better not, you better not think you have it figured out or you'll be <laughs> looking the wrong way. I tell you that. Lanny, do you have a question? Yeah, I, some typical hunt scenario questions. You know, I mean, backing up, you know, you, you're lucky enough to find a turkey on the roost. Um, how close do you get? Yeah. <clears throat> That's the never ending question. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, I, I feel like just, and I've been with the great ones. I'm telling you, I've, and they all different. Mm-hmm. Depends on the time of the year. The more foliage there is, you think you can get closer. But here's the deal. Even when the leaves are out and everybody's quit, the mosquitoes are out and got hot, you can't hear him as far. That's right. Although he can't see you as far. So it's, I always try to air, especially with gear and everything, setting up too far because you you can certainly mess that hunt up on the roost mm-hmm. yeah. by trying to get too close. Uh, you know, some of the best turkey hunters like Bob Bobby Ray Walker down at Bent Creek, I don't think I've ever seen him set up on a turkey on the roost. He he just sits back and waits, and, and he knows they've flown. Now he's getting a direction now. The footwork's a little more involved, but he tries to go around and get kind of the direction they're going, and then he sits down. You know, that speaks to us. What Daddy always said, and as a kid he said it, and it, it's like, but Bobby Ray is 99% of the time, he's hunting where he knows every inch, the history, the turkeys probably, he's already fooled with them and all that. And I remember when people asked Daddy when I was a kid, even, and then later he would say, what's most important, Mr. Fox? What do you think's most important? You know, and have and turkey hunting. And he would always say, you know, because everybody wanted to hear, you know, just, oh, the better you can call, the fancy callers, you know, the... Contest winners, they're going to kill more. He say, knowing the lay of the land. And that would be his answer, but in a conversation. And that's, you know, a good lesson from that. It's like, you know, if you know the lay of the land, and, you know, that probably is wisest if you already know what they tend to do or, you know. But if when you're somewhere new, good gosh, it's so much harder. Yeah, back- I'm not near as good a turkey hunter when I'm in a new, strange place. I can promise you that. You know, back in the day, the old timers would never, ever, ever call to a turkey on the limb. They and plus they would yep three times. It's a different deal now. It is. And uh, Will Primos used to say, taking their temp. You know, you can watch Dave Owens, and there'll be some mornings he's not saying anything. There'll be another time he'll 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 cluck, and of course he's really good and cluck again and cluck again. And then sometimes he may fly down and do all that stuff. It's you never know. There are no absolutes. Yes. In turkey hunting. But I, the only absolute I can tell you is if you try to get too close and flush them, yep. that morning hunt's over, over with. What, yeah, what have you done? That's my point in getting too close. I mean, what have you done? If you 
burned your chance for the morning. I mean, we're, you know, unless you, I guess you're in a zoo, you can just go to another one all the time. We People may think we are, but we're not. Here, Here's a fun yeah. fact. The first year I did the Primo's videos, and none of us knew what we were doing as far as making videos. And I think it was whatever it was, 15 hunts. One of them, I know, maybe two were off the roost hunts. Everything else was 9 to 12, 1 o'clock, like that. You know, it's so hard to make that happen. It will happen, but, man, you got to be careful. So that kind of leads to the next one is, do you call to them on the limb? Yep. I do. I do. I, here, let me tell you a story. Toxie sent me to take an outdoor rider, turkey hunt. I don't remember where we were, and I, I think, I can't remember. It might have been Nick Sisley, but Nick Sisley brought the first set of the preload to game ears, Mm-hmm. and he was sitting there, and we had two turkeys gobbling, one in front of us, one way down to the left on a creek. And I wasn't saying anything, and he had those things. He was doing stuff with them, and he handed them to me. He said, put these on. And I put them on. I could hear 20 hens yep. lightly yep, and I went, holy cow, I need to get my name there in the hat. You know, exactly so right. I did. I tree yelped a little bit, and then he yelped. And you never know what's going to happen. It, it, uh, the boss hand could take him lead away. He could turn that gobbler on the limb. At least he's kind of facing your direction now. But I, if you sound like a turkey, what's it going to hurt? Yeah. It you really could, don't. Yeah. I saw the, the – I shot a video in the Natchez State Park one time in February – and it was, I don't remember how many, 16 gobblers. It was crazy. And by the end of that day, the end of that morning, there was one one man standing up on that thing. And I heard every turkey sound in the world. They hear it all the time. That's right. People to say, man, you shouldn't call right now. It's like, it's a turkey sound. <laughs> if, it ain't that big a deal. If you're already there, I mean, I, I just, if, if there are a lot, there's a lot of competition. You, know, you probably, what does it hurt? He's exactly right. I've killed quite a few, quite a few, and they're usually like older turkeys and stuff too. Where, you know, I think it's luck sometimes in that. What I'm saying is maybe you jumped a deer and it snorted, or something kind of alerted some of the turkeys and all. But then he's hot blooded and he goes back to gobbling in a minute. But it's kind of bothered a few of those hens and. The next thing you know, you know, you're on the ground already. Now you gotta be careful, I guess, if you're calling in the black dark and it's but I was just saying I've had turkeys that were so hard to kill, you think they're so smart, but then they fly down and there's no hens down yet, and actually they are frantic to get up with a hen. They're not so smart. They're just, you know, when they have hens, they're just they don't need another one. They you know trying to scare that. So I've killed there. quite a few turkeys by he hits the ground, and, you know, you're close enough that he, he comes in right away. And then, and then, you know, I've had it happen. You know, it's fixing to happen. Here he comes. First hen flies down. He sees her. He's gone. Forget about him for a couple hours. So you can do that sometimes. And I, I'm not scared to call him out on limb. I think you need to be careful about it, you know. Does a fly-down cackle figure into y'all's repertoire much? Not a lot, but sometimes, yeah. I mean, if there's a lot of it going on, it's like if you hear – I guarantee you, if, if they're raising sane off through the woods, I guarantee you he's raising sane. You know, one of the best tips ever, going back to Lanny's question, from the late, great Bob Dixon, God mm-hmm. rest his soul. And I can remember the, one of the first times I followed him with a giant TV camera, and we were trying to be so stealthy. And he always had a mouth. He'd put a mouth on his mouth in the truck, five in the morning, mm-hmm. never use it. And one morning we was easing in there, and we flushed a hen. He went, 
mm-hmm. and it sounded so natural. I'm like, what a good tip that is, mm-hmm. just in case you flush a hen. Don't cackle. Yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't carry a wing or anything. I, I can fly down with my hat. Anybody can do that, and it sounds like a you know, wing flapping mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. I don't do a whole bunch of fly down cackles because usually when I hear a hen do it, it's a couple of real excited clucks, you know, kind of. And uh, I don't do what the contest call guys used to call a machine gun cackle where they go, bah, 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 bah. yeah, I, I don't know I've ever heard one do that. So uh, it doesn't figure into my repertoire very much. So. Well, that's, that's interesting. I, I know, Mike, you've got a question, don't you? Max always got a good question. I do. Uh, so, so a lot of times when you're yelping at a bird or when you hear people calling, there's a fine line between a putt and a cluck. So how do you make sure you're not just sitting back in the woods putting and you're actually <laughs> clucking? Hey, first off, I don't cluck much. My grandson was practicing a cluck and a yeah, and a purr, and a purr, and a cluck, and a purr. And he says, how's that sound? How you? He said, Pop, you use that all the time? I said, no, not really. I just don't use it much. I really don't. And uh, to, if you watch a hen do it, it's it's obvious, you know, because they, they get a little stressful when that head comes up, and it's a, it's a different sound. So I, I don't I don't cluck a whole lot. I really don't, you know. And Toxie made mention earlier on, there's, there's a time to shut up. And despite what people believe, I, I know when that is. And, I do, and I do shut up. <laughs> and you can, don't uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. That's right. And uh, it's, uh, I, so I, I just don't do it a lot. You know, I can do it a little softer on a mouth call, so I don't hardly ever cluck on a slate. That's just me. So. That clucking and purring sounds good. On a, it on does. A yeah. It does, and I do cluck a lot. Here's, here's a good just general piece of advice for people that – because if you haven't been in your – you're trying to run a mouth call, it likely does sound like a putt. The best way to be a little safer about that is always throw a few soft yips in with it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. an alarmed hen is not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And because that's one to – his question, I mean, cutting – and putting is almost indistinguishable because mm-hmm. if you talk about at least our definition of cutting, it's loud, excited, you know. And, I mean, you know, the the biggest difference in those two is if you're – most turkeys are cutting a lot, they're going to mix a little yipping in with it. And that's one of the most, I think, uh, you know, it's a fine line between I spooked a turkey and I've got one. But getting – it's just they're, – they're just animals, and we try to give them too much credit sometimes. But getting one excited, you know, and making it sound like – uh, one of the other things that just came to mind that I've had a lot of luck with, and again, just be careful, but like if a turkey's gobbling, I cut him. I mean, as soon as it comes out of his mouth, I'm like, like I'm real excited that I heard from him type of thing. So I just hen yep or call or whatever right on top of when he gobbles. And there's, I mean, you know, there's no harm in that. Just be careful about overdoing too much, you know, and too loud. Yeah. I do believe in... Once you kind of establish like loud, you know, he whatever they can pinpoint how far you are. If you start a little louder, like cuz, you know, he gets criticized for how loud that is, but he set the table for when his next call is a little bit softer. It sounds like maybe he's backing away and the turkey needs to come check it out too. But I back to what I first said, try that sometimes. I maybe if you're hunting in place a turkey's been called to and mess with a lot, you need to be really careful. And they need to talk to Dave about what to do. But if you're you know, in a lot of cases just Cut right back at him, like, yeah, come on, you know. 
So speaking of, of walking, so I've seen and heard you numerous times. Maybe if a turkey hangs up, you'll you'll get up and walk around and call behind the hunter. It, it, is there a thought process there that you're saying like a hen that's moving? Yeah. Or? I think they get, yeah, because it's the same thing. But, you get, again, you, it depends on where you are. I will never do it taking a chance on spooking one to do it. But, you know, you're just over a ridge from your guy you're calling for. I mean, you know. Other people do it too. It's not uncommon at all. You know, breaking the hand in the leaves thing is it can really work some, but I'm a little cautious about doing that too much myself when I'm just sitting there. But yeah, I mean, if you've been working a turkey for a while and you've been calling from the same place for a while, I mean, I don't know for sure what's going on with them. There's, I don't know if there's any research to prove whatever, but it seems like they get a little more wary over time if you've just been sitting in the same spot. And sometimes that helps. And sometimes, you know, you were acting like you're leaving and you almost get out of distance from your hunter still up there. But, you know, I would say at least half the more, that doesn't work either. Sometimes they're just not coming because they're happy with where they are. Dudley, you got a question? Um, I've got a question about after the shot. Um, Toxie, I know you're uh, pretty, you know, a lot of folks are worried about, you know, boogering up their, turkeys that they're going to come back and hunt a week or two later or maybe even the next day um do either of you guys do something after the shot to try to calm the flock somewhat and make them forget about what just happened i've heard of folks doing that you know back back in the day when we had and this is way before most of these people listening were even born but the shells were like two and a half they weren't even two and three quarters right seven and a half no choke and they would advise you to run get out, out and run, yeah. get out there and run out there. You don't have to do that anymore. I always tell people, you know, if if I'm filming or whatever, just stay put. Because man, you pop him upside the low, you know, with those TSS loads, man, it's crazy. Just stay put. You'll hear Dave Owens Hill. We'll do a fight and purr and all that. I just like be still. No way. Yep. Be still. I personally, I hate it. When there's more than one gobbler coming in, there's two or three and stuff because you you pick one off, them other two are going to be impossible to call up that. But no, I just say sit still, let the woods calm down because it ain't like it used to be. There, if they go down from them loads, they're down. So right, I don't, I don't really have a plan other than just hey, everybody relax. I, I know y'all are pointing to me. <laughs> I'm just scared they're going to get away still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if, you got to have a rope on landing. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've made a really long shot, maybe. Yeah. Or they have, you know, maybe you need to, you know, but if there's no I, I, other turkeys around. But I, I tend to, like, two things. Just what he said exactly. Couldn't agree more. But I also, not, it depends on who you're up there. It's one of y'all. I'm not even worried about it. But it's like if more than one come up and you kill one, stay put. Don't make a noise. Just kind of keep your gun on him in case, you know, because if he does come back to life a little bit, you you probably don't have but just a second to do something mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But if you've taken and stretched one out there pretty good, you know, you might be best to go ahead and get up on him as long as, you know, you're not running something off. It just, again, it depends on the situation. But in general, my calming call is no call whatsoever and don't move and let the woods come back down on mm-hmm. their own. Yeah, well, Lanny is uh, – he is the – I've had he to run jumps a few up down. so fast, he'll run by another turkey <laughs> hey, standing out. That ain't just turkey hunting. That's everything with yeah, Randy. That's, that's just how he's wired. So. I try to remember. <laughs> Hens going everywhere. So, well, what about a gobble? Do y'all ever? Is that something that you would ever do? 
Y'all ever gobble on? I, I, I can't. Not much. I, I can't remember ever doing that. You know, I always when somebody's talking about that, I always refer back to Preston Pittman. You know, he first time he got he was gobbling at a turkey and, and called a hunter up. He took his glove off to wave the guy off, and boom. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, he's and I was, I was like, man, that's crazy. I don't, I don't think it's like rattling deer in and all that kind of stuff. And and I can, I can do a semi decent one on that tube call, but I don't ever recall doing it. To be honest with you, you always so I'm always so dialed into where am I going to sit down? What you know, looking, right. turning my head slow and stuff like that. I just don't think about that. So. I, I don't I don't do it, but I'm sure there's lots of people that do, and they'll swear it works like magic. Uh, you know, hmm. I, I think part of my problem I, I have a few times, not much. I have one in there, just a, a you know shaker gobbler tube thing, because I'm not proficient at a call that sounds what I think just like a gobble, and so uh, that's probably the biggest reason I don't ever try it much. I have used it some as like a last resort. It typically, if it's a last resort, it's Truly the last resort, and yeah. things are pretty much over. I have seen a few times a turkey was out in a field with hens, and, you know, two gobblers had a couple of hens, and I gobbled on that tube, and then they looked that way, and I gobbled on it again and called, and it was just wide open between me and them. I was in a fence row, and they walked 400 yards across that field. Just They weren't gobbling or anything, just like, oh, there's another buddy over there, and I killed a turkey. It's like a miracle, but that's – one out of many hundreds that right. is, or actually works. So I don't use it much. I think it could be. You know, I've, I've hunted with people that get gobbled really good on a tube call, it sounds like turkeys, and it's helped, especially one that's, you know, looking for a fight. But I think you need to be careful for multiple reasons, you know, but most importantly, safety. What about Child. Jake noises? Y'all make Jake noises oh, very yeah. often? All the time. Yeah, it's easy to Jake yelp and Purr yeah. and all that kind of stuff. If they're making racket, you know, so uh, Jake's has always been a deterrent as far as I'm concerned. You know, like Jake decoys and stuff like that. I just, they always cause trouble, it seems like, to me, you know, so I, I'm careful when I do it and because uh, they – they think, can they can run a hunt. Depends on the year. Sometimes, yeah. I, look, first year I was filming for Primos, I had a long beard strutting. In a field by itself, just family. Because back then, if you got any video, it was amazing. And one Jake came out there and whipped his tail, ran him off. Didn't hear that turkey for a week. I just always like stay away from the Jake. <laughs> it can. He's, it's no, yeah. he's right. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, gang of Jakes. It, it seems like the turkeys that would actually go picking a fight with a Jake is like a two year old. But older, older turkeys that are hard to kill and hung up with hens and all, they're not even, they could care less. They're worried about their girls. That's it. Yeah. So, Doc, you mentioned fence lines a minute ago. What, what's the, what, in y'all's mind, what's the etiquette on a property line? How close to an edge of a property line? You understand, you I was up? not talking about a property line. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Here we wide, up, wide open I, field yeah, no, in I, the middle I, of my I, place I, with a grown-up hedgerow. I, I get it. But everybody's got it. At some point, you're you're on the edge. You can be on the edge of your property. And what's, what's, what do you think the I, etiquette is there? I, I mean, I mean, everybody's going to be different about it, but far enough you can't shoot across the property line. So I guess in today's world, 50, 60 yards maybe. I don't know. Or, you know, if, I guess proper etiquette and law would be sit as close as you want to, but, you know, it's He's hard got- for people to do. Do not shoot one that's across it, you know. Right. That's That's the right thing to do. 
This is all I'm going to say about it. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's what we're trying <laughs> to throw out here. Etiquette, so there's a lot of people that etiquette is etiquette. I mean, that's, that's right. the, the hardest problem of today. I mean, even you saw some of the awards of people, you know, the big, the, the, the people that encroach, you know. That's that's I'm not here to condemn everybody. We just want to help people see a better way in life if we can. But most of your problems come with someone that actually has permission to hunt on the neighboring property. And so it's hard to do unless you spend a lot of time, even with really good game, or just unless you take it on as a project, it's hard to catch that. It's tough for turkeys. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with trying to call them across. And everybody says That's you right. won't cross the fence. Yeah, there's no absolutes. Hey, here's here's well, the thing. I will say this publicly to everybody. And so, you know, what I own some property, and I'm super proud of it. It's like my dream in life to have it done. And But I'm not one of those that go, oh, my gosh, they killed my deer. Or, man, that guy killed my turkey this morning. You know, the truth is, if, if they stepped across that property line and he's on their place, it is no longer my turkey or my deer, it's theirs. And, you know, so be it. You just got to come to peace with that and not get all so aggravated and whatever. You know, it's going to happen. Now, mm-hmm. guess what? You know, you don't think twice about calling one off of them. You know, that was your turkey too. So my only advice to people is, is yeah, it's a problem. I don't like it. Of course I don't, I'll be honest. But that's not my deer, and it's not my turkey if it's on somebody else's place. That's just how it is. Yep. That makes sense. Mac, that so I'm giving I, I did that for you so you'd know how to behave. Oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> you're you're yeah. the one that's talked about being on fences on this podcast. Oh, oh. well that, that inevitably you just it seemed to end up at a, at a at <laughs> right. Age, but. I, I think I really think it has to do with the transition of, of the timber a lot of the times. I mean, you, you always hear about people, well, he's you know, gobbling right on the line. And I mean, I personally think that, you know, your line might have pine timber on it and theirs might have hardwoods. And so just the different timber management, you know, I think that those transition zones probably have something to do with those turkeys being there. But I did have one more question, obviously. Of course. Mm -hmm. We expected that. So (laughs) with uh, with tungsten and TSS and just, you know, you hear about, you know, tight patterns, tight patterns, tight patterns. What kind of constriction on a choke tube? Do y'all prefer? I mean, is it something that's you know a little forgiven at twenty or forty or or what are y'all's thoughts on the constriction of a choke tube? I can't tell you anything about the numbers. Uh, you know what what I do first with you know when I got into all that other stuff is I take dove loads. You know, and and I got a target up there at fifteen yards, and I'm shooting a dove load and watching the tightness of that. And then I'll eventually move to screw this choke in that choke this load. Now that's a that's a lengthy process, but it's uh that's the only way I can do it. I don't understand the constriction and all that part. I'm, I'm a I'm but a he just guy. you you just said the smartest thing of all to do before this conversation about constriction, and you didn't you didn't say why, but it's the biggest reason. Go shoot your gun at like 15, 25, 35. Just shoot down the barrel, shoot the bead on it, whatever. Because the gun literally might be off. Shotgun barrels mm-hmm. do not shoot true to where you aim sometimes. <laughs> it's amazing how often, especially I would say the shorter the barrel, the more likely it is could happen. I saw that with Daniel bought this like 20, whatever, 22 inch, you know, vintage Greenleaf uh, Remington shotgun. And it was literally off about nine inches or more at like 35 steps. Clearly shoot it again and again and again. And it was off. So that's the first reason to be sure and shoot your gun with like something cheap dove loads or whatever is be sure it's like right to left. 
own. Then from there, what I've also learned is another consideration is that with this TSS especially, you know, I can cite one in for 25 steps, which I think is probably a good thing to do, a good number. But at 40 or 45, it may still throw a great pattern and all, but it's dropped a lot. I mean, considerably. So you need to consider all of that. And if, I know they're expensive, but you need to shoot stuff enough to be really comfortable with what's going on. It's one of the most ethical things mm. you could do is be sure how you're going and make sure it's shooting the best it can with whatever load and done enough work with it. And then stay within that, you know, that temptation. I mean, I have misjudged turkeys and shot them too far, thinking they were so close. They're just no matter how many times you go, it's just tempting or, you know, one, one you know, spooks and you panic. But do spend the work with your gun on all these things more so than just the pattern. And, again, so tight that you're, you know, you like the 50-yard plus killing with TSS pattern is probably way too tight it you know 20 25 <laughs> and at that range you're probably dropping down in the body on the turkey i would think you yeah or i mean for me, that, that, yeah i almost always shoot at the base of the neck mm-hmm. i try to remind myself at least you know? i I, <clears throat> I got into using scopes a long time ago yeah, they help for these kids here's the deal I, I take so many people and they get so excited and they, they'll throw that gun up and boom they never got their face down they think it's a saber-toothed tiger or something i got one and a half power scope with crosshairs, no battery. I just don't prefer batteries in anything. And people have to look through that and aim. And even with, with those good chokes and those TSS loads, if it's 20 yards, I'm telling them, shoot, shoot them in the beard with those kids. <clears throat> if it's out there at 35 or 40, it's right in the middle of the neck. But if you take that scope and get it 10 yards with squirrel loads, <clears throat> it'll blow a hole that big around in the target. You can sight that thing in. And I don't think I've ever, once I got that done and then put a TS, back it up to four yards, it's always dead on. Does your TS shoot a little high, TS, TSS shoot a little high Not, at, uh, over the other loads? Mine shoot lower. Is that right? Yeah, yep. mine shoot. That, that 20 gauge is, I got three of them rigged up for them kids, and they're all about the same. When I'm blowing that hole through the target at 10 yards, and it's very prominent what you're doing, I always put it like right at the bottom of the crosshair and the target. Right. And you know, they, I let them shoot at 35 with those 20 gauge, which they kill them for that. And it's just always perfect. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, the gun thing doesn't worry me anymore. You know, some people look at a scope and go, I can't believe you're doing that. Oh, That's that, and it's like, hey, it does know, help. Whatever makes yeah. you successful. Yeah. yeah. Leopold's got a good one. They, they yeah. Do. I mean, if they cost you something, but you're more accurate. I would say, I would also throw out there to people. Instead of just being so hung up on tight, 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 look for even distribution. To me, that's more deadly downrange than super tight. So that's one thing I've been so impressed with TSS over. It is typically a more even distribution for whatever reason. I'm not a ballistics yeah. expert, but just looking at the results, would you it say? Absolutely. Yeah, we'd it's be- crazy. Apex. So I've been so impressed at like when you get past the 35-yard thing, We've always lived with 40, whatever. It's just the even distribution gives me more confidence. Mm-hmm. But I still think we need to be so careful about how far we're shooting them now. Amen. Because we know when, when ethical was 35 with the, you know, the two and three quarter inch shot or whatever, even the, the people were shooting them at 50 and out, you know, every now and then they were killing some of them. Some, but now we're pushed that so far as it, please, please, please. I mean, we all make mistakes, but stay within 
what your gun will do. And let's don't, what I, what I, what bothers me quite honestly is the people bragging on how far they killed one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's okay. And I'm not here to judge at all, but I'm just trying to, we love this bird so much. Let's don't, uh, you know, take a risky shot if you hadn't done your homework with your gun. That's kind of all I'm saying. Yeah. Range finders are very light. Yes. It's so easy to misjudge. If yeah. you're, if you're, if I'm at a, here's another thing to watch for. If I'm at a field and I'm kind of trying to call one and he's in a field or whatever or around the field, if I'm maybe 20, 25 yards from the field and looking in the field, it's so easy to look at him in the field and your eye kind of just judges how far is he from the edge of the woods? You know, if he's, 40 yards out in the field. He looks like he's kind of 40 yards, this optical illusion. Mm-hmm. And so I've done it before. And you get up and step it off. Good Lord, he was too far. I was so lucky to kill him or he got away or something. So that's an optical illusion. Another thing is the lower your scrooch down to the ground and you don't have the, the, the perspective of sitting up a little taller, you'll misjudge one also. And sometimes in that case, you there will be one plenty close enough and he looks too far. But just, you know, the range finder, you can't range a turkey when he's coming in, but just, like, pull it out. It's really light. Pop it up. When you sit down, whoop, there's 40 yards, there's 50 yards, there's 30 yards. And you got a little perspective where you're at and put it back up, and that's going to help if he comes up. Yeah, there. that's good advice. We all have a Leopold range finder. That's a good, that's good <laughs> advice. Laney, you got another question? Oh, no, I was going to uh, actually talk. It's something I learned from you, Bobby, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, on that distance thing. It's um, when you can clearly see their eyeballs. It's a it's a pretty good indicator. So you don't don't look at everything around you. Look at that turkey, and you know when he's it's clear that his eyeball is equally distinguishable. He's killable. Mm-hmm. That's, that's always worked for. Yeah, me. good trick back in the day when we were shooting all this three D stuff. You couldn't use. They didn't have range finders except them things with mirrors. And I always I always do it ten <laughs> yards at a time. You that's know, a great. You, I do that. He he taught me that. Ten, you know that's ten yards. Yeah, You're comfortable with that. And, and pick something that's 10 yards from that, and then 10, and boom, I, I kind of got my circle in. And even TSS loads and all that stuff, I, I'm still drawing a limit on how far yeah. I'm going to shoot, which is almost never. And, uh, but I, I, I like it. I'm like Harold. I like it between 20 and 40 yards. I prefer 35. Yeah. Even with this new stuff. So. I don't like them too close. No. <laughs> I want to jump on that a second because that is actually, in my opinion, that's like, he just talked about one of those multitude of fun things of being out there. It has nothing to do with killing something. It's woodsmanship. And honestly, uh, maybe a fun game for kids or younger people too, and any, all of us, me too. And this is where a range finder's fun. So do what he said. And I go, and I'm and both bow hunting is where I got started with it, but it's like, you know, we didn't have a range finder. So like, do increments, okay? I know that's a yard. Okay, that's a yard. That's five yards. Okay, one, two, three, four. Yeah, that's about, okay, five, 10, 15, 20. You can do it in increments of 10, but just kind of do that in increments and say, okay, that tree's about 30 yards. Try that and pull out your range finder. Boom, how far off were you or not? And see, more times than not, you're pretty daggum close. But it's just, <clears> it's a good way to teach yourself and then check you. You know, it's like the, the teacher's grading your test. Pull out the range finder and see how you did. Well, and I tell you, from my my experience, early in the morning, things look different than they do about thirty minutes later. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It just yeah. at first shooting light on ducks, it's crazy when it gets daylight. They were all so close, and you didn't think yeah. they were close enough. Or you put decoys out in the dark, 
and they're, not, they're way too close to the blind. You misjudge, and things look further than they are yeah. in the dark. Yeah. And you'll let turkeys walk off. You might should have shot. So, yeah, if you can see something to get a mark with the rangefinder's hard in the dark. Bobby, do you know the U.S. military did a study on judging distance? I mean, it's a lengthy study. I can find it. I'll pull it back up. And they proved the closer your eyes are together, the worse you are at judging distance. And the further they are apart, the better you are. I.e., that's why I'm so good at it. My, yeah. head's, my head's so big, my eyes are like eight inches apart. I got that distance thing down. That's true. He beat me to the punchline. Because <laughs> as soon as he said far apart, I had my thought in mind. Yeah. That tip oh, about man. adding 10 to 10 to 10 is great. It's yeah. fun to do. It's and like a little game. You know? well, we did that in forestry school with trees. You know, every 16 feet. You right. Would, 16 yep. would yep. be one log. Then you'd add 16, and it, it does work. Well, I've never even Hayden, thought about it. If you take Aiden with you in your range finder, you better have a good battery in it because he's going to range everything in there. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Now, this got nothing to do with range, but people love tips. They they just do. They're listening for that, even young people and all oh, yeah. that. I learned this from Will Primos, and it, I'm telling you, it'll work, and people never think about it. But if you got an option, turkey's on the roost, and you got an option they hate, and you if you think back, you can prove this. They hate flying down and working into the sun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you can get on the west side, if it's an option, you got a choice. I always get on the west side so I have that sun at their back. It's like people never think about that stuff. They're they're dialing in their chokes and getting this stuff and tweaking their calls. It's like you know Harold Knight, all them old school guys. They knew all that stuff, you know. So hey, that's just a, a tip out there for whoever. If you can get west, you can't always go by the book. The first turkey hunting book I ever read said you got to. You know, find the turkey and then get on a tree that's bigger than you are. And by the time I found a tree bigger than me, I was a quarter of a mile away from the turkey. <laughs> so you can't always do that, but that's just a good tip. So I think so. I yeah. mean, and going by that, um, for your own, you know, for your own being able to see too, if you could just get north or south of them instead of yep. west, you know. Yeah, yeah you don't want that sun in your eye. Because it's bright when it's first bright. cracks out. Don't want it in his eyes. That's he right. He don't, That's right. They don't like that. I, but uh, you don't necessarily want it in his. You just don't want to ask him <laughs> to walk right into a sun where he can't see because he's yeah. probably not going to do it. Well, yeah. what do you do when your only spot to sit down is in the full sun and it's just blaring on you? You, you going to go somewhere else? Find another you spot. No, you try it. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah. You know, because he may fly down and probably, I don't know if, it, if it's such an impediment, just Wait till he gets either north or south of you one way or the other and then call him in. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it doesn't make any difference. You're going to sit down and do your thing, and it's, you know, if you can't get to the east or west, it doesn't matter. It's just like if it's an option, not, it's not always an option. So it's just something to think about, something yep. to throw in your little book, you know, bag of tricks. Something else to think about. That's right. That's not what we need. But my, biggest, <laughs> my biggest thing, I hadn't thought about that much occasionally, uh, sometimes after it's already daylight and the sun's kind of blinding, but the one thing I do, he just mentioned as a joke, but I was like, okay, I got to do something quick. You know, I'm probably panicking, getting too big a hurry, you know, got to get set up. But, but I'm looking for what can one just walks up here where I'm, that's why I got in this business. I mean, I want to be sure. Cause they, especially around here, man, if you're, you're not on a big enough tree to hide you, if you're not where, if you're out in the wide open, you, it's just they can pick you off game so, over fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's don't sit in the sunshine if you can help it. Well, I mean, yeah, not only that, but just try to pick your best spot. You know, that's where we're at. Where's a good spot? Where's a good spot? You know, right there. I think we'll be hidden better right there. That's that's the first <laughs> thing in my mind every time. And get, you get you know, comfortable. I'd rather be further away where I've got to call him further and do all that. What good does it do if you're – 
you know, you're not somewhere where you can get them close enough anyway, you know, so I'm looking for that spot. So the other thing is I love to be able to know if I get in close contact and it's one of those hunts he's hanging up just out of range and I can't, but, but I, boy, what do you get to enjoy seeing all that? Well, you can't do all that and enjoy it if you're not hitting real good, you know? So that's the first thing in my mind, where can I set up right here? You know, and I'm probably wrong a lot of the times, but I'm trying to find something. Hmm. Well, this has been some good conversation. And I, I, one other thing, setting up too, we hadn't mentioned for people that are newer to this. Most people know this. Don't ever face right at the turkey. You know, if you're left-handed like me, shooting left-handed, you know, face to the left of, you know, have the turkey <clears throat> towards your right shoulder. If you're right-handed, have him to your left shoulder. Just, you know, when you sit down, you know, you can only – it's hard to shoot straight in front of you sitting down. I mean, that's that's difficult. And I'll tell you this, if you're shooting at a turkey and if you're shooting your bow too and you're pushing like a right-handed shooter is pushing that gun far to the right or that bow far to the right, it takes all you can do to keep that gun or that bow on that target when you pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your instincts and your, in the moment of excitement, you're probably going to pull it back and miss or have a bad shot or something. It's so hard. So try to, the ideal shot is probably, you know, halfway between, you know, 90 degrees and straight ahead somewhere to the offside of your shoulder. So just, you know, when you sit down, try that sometime and see, it's really hard to shoot something straight in front of you sitting down. So don't face straight at the turkey or, you know. If you're right-handed, put your left shoulder. That's yeah. right. In the direction you think he's yeah. coming from. And then so. adjust if you <clears throat> see him and can get a glimpse of where he's probably making some kind of circle or two. Go ahead and try to adjust way out there because once he's getting close, you, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I always keep a knee up, too. Do y'all do the same thing? Try no. to put your gun on the knee? Not anymore. No. Something happened? It's just from no, it's too hard to be still. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even, even my breathing. And I mean, I, I might breathe harder or whatever, but I still have to breathe even if I'm up to breathing 10 times a minute. And so if I've got my gun on my knee, that gun is moving. There's no way I can keep that completely dead calm still And so if, with, with a gun on my knee. So I'm more intent on getting him in good range first. And I, I'll say that, you know, if he's coming, he's coming, and he goes behind a good protective spot, boom, I'll prop it up there and get ready because I know he's coming and I could do that. But just to sit there for a long period of time, uh, good gosh, I've had that cost me so many turkeys. It just all of a sudden appeared to the right or left and caught me putt, putt, moving. I can't do it. And I'm getting too old to do it anyway. So, yeah, a lot of people do and sit there for hours with a gun on their knee. I can't do it. And it honestly has cost me turkeys doing it. I, I passed. I even passed that point. Uh, I, I don't even have a cushion on my turkey vest anymore. Yeah. I got a turkey chair with a shotgun sling on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, there's nothing better than that because your oh, knees gosh. are kind of semi up anyway. And it's like Harold Knight said. I said, "Give me one tip, not everything." One tip, he said, "Learn how to sit turkey still." Yep. People, I'm Absolutely. telling you, you can get so still in that, and it's not that big a deal. You put your stuff on, put a long strap on, and I just put it over my shoulder. And I, because you know, look, when you get older, things are going to change. Those chairs are unbelievable. Too. Yeah, oh, you, more man. and more people are using those. Chuck yes, Sykes man. was talking about oh, how he. Like using them. I got four in the back of my truck it right changed. now. We would not be taking Daddy anymore. Yep. He would not be able to do it. I mean, he would be in so much pain in five minutes because he just, you know, he just has no. I've got a tip. Like, I've got that, a tip. That chair, 
changed the game of being able to still take him. And he's right now. It may be a little cumbersome, you know, first thing in the morning, whatever. I'm not taking one. But if I'm going to go hunting where I'm just – I'm headed to the woods, I'm just going – I know I'm going somewhere, kind of set – Whatever, every time it will make a huge difference. How comfortable and still you can be. Yeah, and you, you can you can shove a little jacket if it's somebody that gets cold easier. Yeah, you yeah. can put a jacket but between the ground and the seat, mm-hmm. and it'll insulate your mm-hmm. honey honey region. Yeah. Lanny, you look like you had something you wanted to add to the. Oh, did I miss it? Read that. Well, I think I, I don't know what that thought was, but it's probably gone. Gone by, by now. Okay. Oh, what about shooting, <laughs> I was looking at turkey chairs. <laughs> what about shooting offhanded? Like uh, now that a lot of people are using optics on their shotgun. Sure. Uh, Dudley included. Yeah, I'm doing it now, but uh, it's awkward. What, I've done it. Uh, have you it's ever shot one oh, right-handed? Yeah. I too. A couple of times, yeah, I've done it quite a few times. And, I mean, there's like, he's over there. There's no way to wheel and turn or whatever. I started easing, started easing, got behind a tree, switch it real quick. Oh, wow, still, we're still in the game. I didn't spook him. He's up. And probably two or three times, I almost broke my nose when I shot because you're just not used to it and it's just awkward for you. So, I mean, it, it, with the red dots or the scopes, it would be, uh, you know, no problem. I, I mean, if you have the gun on, you have the gun on. It should be fine. But I'd be care- be careful how you hold the stock. The one thing you need to do, you don't need to be trying to be conscious of too many things. You're trying to pull the trigger on something. But if you can't your gun, Bob Dixon taught me that too. Mm. Um, if you can't your gun, it's going to shoot off to the side. you got to can it. And the further off the shot is, the worse it's going <laughs> to be. You do have a bigger pattern. But be conscious of your gun. It's 90 degrees to the ground, straight up and down. That is probably more important than if you're shooting with your off shoulder or not. But it, it is different. And I wasn't prepared, you know, like secondhand, you know, shooting all the time. And I I, I, I almost gave myself a bloody nose a time or two shooting offhanded. Mm-hmm. Well, look, this is we've had some really good questions. Lanny, you got anything else to ask? No, you, well, I mean, we can talk about turkey yeah, all, all, all day long. Mac, Mac you, but you, you're, are you get Richie? What wake up over there? You get, so, uh, well, look, why don't we do an Ask Dudley? The, our audience really loves these Ask Dudley. Cuz, do you mind sticking around a few more minutes? No, sir. All right, let's let's do this real quick. What you got, Mac? So today we're we're going to do more of a public service announcement uh, about a topic that Dudley wanted to touch on. Yeah, um, I get asked this question a lot, um, and it's oftentimes. After the fact, uh, somebody calls uh, upset about their trees not doing well. Um, and you can also use this in the garden, you know, when you're planting tomatoes or, or any kind of plant. But uh, folks need to learn more about how to acclimate their plants when they receive them. Or, you know, if you go buy your tomatoes at uh, the co-op, um, if you take your plants directly out of the box and they have leaves on them, they have been in that box for two or three days, or they've been on that shelf in the co-op for two or three days, and they don't see the way the sun comes up in the east and leans to the south and goes down in the west. Um, it's, it's akin to putting somebody that's really white out on the beach without sunblock on. And it will burn the burn, like Bobby. It'll burn the leaves. <laughs> yeah. um, and I learned that the hard way uh, in the early days at the nursery. We took some plants right out of the greenhouse and put them in pots out in the yard in the full sun. And I came back a couple days later, and all the leaves turned brown, and we had to replant them. But uh, that's called sun scald or sun scorch. So 
the way around that, uh, you can put them uh, on the shady side of your house for a day or two. And then the next day, you can put them out in the full sun for about 30 minutes. And then the next day, you put them out in the full sun for about an hour and a half or so. Um, I used to have a trampoline in my yard, and I would put it under the trampoline for a day or two or under a shade tree. And it's also helping them adjust to the wind. Um, so acclimate your plants before you put them out. Now, this, this refers to plants that have leaves on them when you get them, and uh, you won't mess them up. So uh, uh, great tip. Like if you buy something from like the farm co-op, that's been outside in the sun, you really don't have near the problem as if you buy it from indoors, like in a garden center with a roof on it. Correct. Um, now, even if it's under shade cloth, right. the plant can't see the sun going across the horizon. Right. And so uh, using some technical words here, but like the chloroplasts in the leaf right. that have all the chlorophyll, they follow the sun. But if they don't know that the sun is moving, they sit there wide open trying to get as much as they can. And then when you go and put them in that full sun, it burns them. They have to be trained to move to follow the sun. And that, okay. that's what I got to ask this question. Thank I know you, we Mr. Know-it-all. He's fixing to really show off <laughs> this time. Why do sunflowers always face east no matter what? I think you stumped me there. We need to find that out because I've... Obviously, I've noticed that now, and I thought, oh, they're sunflowers. They follow the sun. They don't. They just face east. Every single one will be turned, almost always turned east. You've seen that before. But won't they follow east? No, sir. They do not turn to the west in the afternoon. They face east. Hmm. But they move up a little bit, don't they? I don't don't even move. They move. They move. I was going to use it as a sunflower's example of what he was talking about, about following Mm -hmm. the sun. Maybe a little, but they don't. I mean, you can go out there in the afternoon, they're still facing east. Learn something every day. I'm going to find out why. I've always assumed they follow it. I have noticed. Mac, you could fact check that. For yeah, us. there's something about facing here. east. It I've says got it. it just stays facing east. Sorry. I've oh. got it. So as the overall growth of the plant slows down gradually, the circadian rhythm ensures the plant reacts more to strong, reacts more strongly to sunlight early in the morning than in the afternoon or evening. This is why the mature sunflower doesn't move with the sun throughout the day. Rather, it faces east. So it will when it's young. All right. Yeah. Deep thoughts. Look at that. Just, just for the hates. record, yeah, just for the record, <laughs> that was a great for Mac. He's quick with Google. He did. He read that. He did not quote it verbatim. <laughs> I don't think anybody thought <laughs> no, that he quoted it. Dudley didn't know the answer. You have to dig deep. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Mac. And now that we got the internet working in here, we can do yeah, great things. That was awesome. Well, so look, we're, we're kind of winding down here. Uh, Mac, one of the things we wanted to tell everybody about was uh, the spring issue of the Gamekeepers magazine. Dudley just finished a massive edit uh proofing process is right yes, getting ready to go to press. It's a really good one. And we sure would like folks to subscribe if they don't already. And how would they do that? Yeah. So you just want to go to Gamekeeper. You can Google Gamekeeper magazine. It's $19.99 for four issues that come out quarterly. Uh, one cool thing that's going on right now uh, with our partnership with Onyx, if you use the code Mossy Oak, you'll get 20% off of your Onyx subscription and you'll also get a digital magazine, our, our mag- magazine digitally. But I mean, the hard copy is awesome to have. So you definitely want to go ahead and sign up on Gamekeeper. 
uh, magazine.com. Yeah, it's a great magazine, guys. If, if, you, if, if you don't get it already, you can pick it up at Tractor Supply. Bass Pro has them on the newsstand. Walmart has them. So we're just real proud of that magazine. Yeah, I'm going to brag a little bit. I've looked at a bunch of different uh, wildlife books, obviously management books. This has got more information than any of them out there. Really does. It's amazing. Y'all do, y'all do a yeah. great they do an unbelievable job. job. Yeah, so Todd Amendrick, he gets yes, he, he gets all the credit on that one. So thank you, Mac. And uh and guys, it's time to, to oil up those browning shotguns. This turkey season's right here on us. We're all so excited. Cuz we really appreciate you being here today. You're about to travel and go help some wounded uh, warriors, wounded veterans, and yep. hats off to you for going and doing that. <laughs> we have a levy sling for you. At, for being a guest here at the show. Holy cow. Look, and, I have and, arrived. And, and so, Thank and you. We, we've got that for you. Tox, if there's one for you, too, God, I didn't want your lip to poke out if you didn't get one. So. <laughs> I'm going to poke it out anyway. So. <laughs> Landy, you're raising your hand. Well, I know Cuz is, is the road warrior, and, and there's time. got to be a food stop on the way down to Florida. I've Whataburger. Yeah. I've got a funny Is it the Whataburger? Oh, I bet yeah. you he it's has. The Whataburger. I figured yeah. it was. I just didn't know if there's. He special. knows every Whataburger within a mile of the interstate between here and South Florida already has it marked. I bet you. How many are between here and there? Uh, well, there's, uh, it depends <laughs> on where you turn. You know, you turn at Lake City. And uh, Lake City South is where they, there's a bunch of them. They got a, you know, my first one today will be in Tuscaloosa because yeah. that's the closest one. <laughs> but look, from Lake City to where we go, there's probably 14, 15, something like Plenty that. Plenty of places that you Plenty don't of places, so, yeah. Just to prove that this isn't a joke, this is the uh, truth. we right. were at this MDWF&P Turkey Summit uh, last week. Uh and we had a lunch break, and everybody went in and got some catfish and hush puppies and sat down. And I thought Cuz had disappeared. Like, maybe he just went home. He, he got all the information he needed. No, he skipped out on that meeting and went and got a Whataburger yeah. when, when everybody else had a free lunch. Back we, right in time. Yeah. We were 200. I was pulling in. I was like, man, this is right by the Whataburger. My little GPS went off, and I was like, holy cow. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. So, so he said, let's go to lunch. Everybody's moving that way. I just kind of backed out. The door. I was like, where'd Cuz go? Yeah. Did he leave? Yeah. Hey, it's, it's bad. It just, so they're good. They, I love him. Oh, so. He's their best spokesperson. So most people pick a place to go hunting based on what I termed a long time ago, target-rich environment. He just told you. He picks his travel routes based on Whataburger-rich environments. environments. (laughs) That's sad, isn't it? I have a very simple palate. But, uh, you know, once we get down there to Florida, we're going to do a lot of cooking. There won't be any Whataburgers down there. But, you know, the coolest thing ever happened to me, we go to D-Dot all the time. Keith Kelly and Mr. Davis, God bless them. And and I took uh, a couple of those Jacksonville Jaguar football players. He said, you take these two guys. And I, I look, I, I they took a pitch with. Uh, I remember that. Remember one that? Of them, there were defensive tackle, offensive tackle. I yeah. think. And one, Giants, one of them on, one of them on four Whataburgers in Jacksonville, <laughs> and he killed a turkey. And he gave me a hundred dollar gift card from the Whataburger. Best That's tip right. ever. Coolest thing. <laughs> what is that? Two trips. Two trips to Whataburger. No, no. I, I, I use that by myself. You know, <laughs> so I, I don't take a bunch of people. But yeah, it's very simple. I don't know why they don't sponsor. <laughs> You know everything we do, but well, I'm gonna tell you what they got to kill or catch up too. I'm just gonna go live by it. it. Is. So. Hey, that's Fried part. Pies. Look, turkey hunting's way more about killing a turkey. Right, it really is, and that's all part of the thing. You know, yeah. we get down there, I'll make a sausage pie, and you know, we'll make grits and all that kind of stuff. That's that's, and those soldiers there, year for uh, last year or three years ago, 
And at nine o'clock at night, I was in there frying honey buns on low heat and real butter. That's and a Neil Hayes classic. Oh, look, they went nuts. <laughs> hey, food's a big part of it. Oh, it's a big part of everything we do. Yeah. It's not It's not always about calories and sugars no. and all that kind of stuff. You can't do what you need to do. Common denominator. That's right. I love it. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. We talked to you about the, what, what you got. No, I mean, I just want to be sure everybody. <laughs> that, yeah, it's like fixing to start this weekend in South Florida. It starts the youth season, I think, here this next week. week. Uh, and, you know, it won't start till May 1 in like New York, I think, some of those places. Like, but wherever you are, it is the rites of spring, it is the season of rebirth. So I just want to be sure that everybody, I mean, I get chill bumps just thinking about it, talking about it right now. Uh, stuff starting to butt out just a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, we're a part of the whole grand plan and nature and the earth and too. And there's just something that gets reborn inside. Don't forget the reason for all the season, and you know the the resurrection and the you know everything there is about our faith and this time of year just all synchronized. Not to get too <clears throat> caught up in that part of stuff, but just. Don't take it for granted. So the first time you get out and you get to enjoy it, keep all that in mind. It's just such a crazy privilege that we have to get out and look around the world, people that can't do that. Mm-hmm. We have so much, you know, I know there's environmentally bad things going on, but we have so much to celebrate and connect with. And there's just something, everybody in their own way, everybody in their own way, have that little uh, connection and peace with the whole world out there. Something in the spring brings it out of me more than any time of the year. I love all the seasons. I guess I like summer the least maybe because we can't go hunting. But in your own way, connect and enjoy that. It's You only get so many times in your life. Don't miss one being grateful for it. Mm. And me, I'll shut amen. up. I want to say something amen, about amen. your podcast. <clears throat> and we all work hard and it's like so repetition is hard to do. And I get all kinds of comments. I see probably more people in the public than all you guys. I'm out there all the time. But, and I get lots of talks. A lady came up. She she was talking about the Gamekeeper podcast and Fistful of Dirt. She said, all my kids listen to it. It's G-rated. They love it. They love hunting and fishing, but they can listen to these. And, and I just kind of nonchalant. I said, well, thank you. And she turned around and looked me straight in the eye. She said, that's important. So I just want to say hats off to you guys running it like that. It's yeah, awesome. Oh, wow. You know, it's a that's a big deal. You kind of get a, a feel for that because people will tell you right off the bat what's wrong and what's right. But to have mom look me in the eye and say the way things are going with these podcasts, that's important. Man, it just flew all over me. So hats off. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. And yours, look, uh, the fistful of dirt. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it it, it really is. You've done a fantastic job, kind of set the course. Yeah, y'all have a secret weapon. I'm telling you, you get Toxie in there, the ratings go up. And (laughs) sadly, his office is right down the hall, so I'm fighting that battle every day. So can't get him in here. we We got to figure out how to do one from, like, the woods or the turkey camp. So I can do that. Just, if I can get you set still, I can do it. Toxic, toxic is a moving target, and that's a big advantage. People well, they close the door and lock it. I can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big advantage. All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Cuz, we appreciate you. And, you. and travel safe. Yep. Uh, tell those uh, all those gentlemen that you meet down there that we uh, we hope they have the best of luck uh, with their hunts this, this spring. So, I'll, Toxie, thank you for being here. I know you're fixing to slip out the door as soon as we say well, goodbye. i got to get on another Zoom call, unfortunately, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah well, all right. So, uh, why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley.
Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.